Welcome to the Lords of Loud. We're four music fans from Australia who've turned our old email debates into this podcast. I'm Lord Ben, and if we were the Beatles, I'd obviously be the smart one, but modest too. With me as always is Lord Brett, the funny one, only because we've seen him dance, Lord Kev, the quiet one, because he can't clip on a mic, and Lord Al, the cute one, with the perfect face for any podcast. And welcome back to the Lords of Loud for another very exciting episode. This is episode 59 of the Lords of Loud. 59. Goodness. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Um, and on tonight's episode, we're going to be uh, jumping back in the musical time machine. And this year, it's the year 1979. Wow. Um, great year okay. for music. Uh, real real uh, melting pot, really, of, of musical genres then, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, um, disco and disco. <laughs> that's right. Um, you just had to choose which Gib brother you. That's you right. Know, you, <laughs> you're you're <laughs> fans of. Um, and then after that, we're going to be having a very uh, cerebral discussion around can you have music without uh, drugs, uh, which will be very interesting. But before we do all that, of course, we have to do our our uh, most popular uh, segments, and that is album of the week and our sponsor. And this week, I've got an album of the week, and this one is a Texas three piece. Uh, the band is called Loma, L-O-M-A, uh, and this album was released in 2018, and it's a self-titled album, so it's Loma. And two of the guys from Shearwater, I'm sure you know, avid listeners of, of I remember Shearwater. Yeah, I've heard mm. me talk about Shearwater before. Yeah, uh, another great Texas band. Two of the two of the guys from that have gone across and joined forces with a phenomenal female lead singer in uh, uh, Emily Cross to form this band Loma, and it's and it's sort of a it's it's a some of it is similar style, whereas Shearwater is a little more rocky. This is more sort of uh, dream pop, uh, uh, sort of atmospheric pop, uh, beautiful with the beautiful female sort of ethereal vocals over the top. Some really nice stuff on that. Yeah, on their website, I wanted to mention they say they believe in the as a band they believe in dogs, waterfalls, avocados, frogs, scorpions, and the human spirit. So amen to that. That sounds like it <laughs> was oh, very know, comprehensive. It was very comprehensive. I thought, I thought from to particularly game. mention yeah. those things on their website. So yeah, I think I think uh, I'm just worried about the people who don't believe in those things. <laughs> what happens there? Frog denials. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go go out and check yourself out, uh, Loma. By the band Loma, and that was 2018. They've actually got a new album coming out at the end of this month. So if you like that, check out the new album as well. Uh, they have released a couple of tracks from that album, and, and they sound like they're starting to delve into some other more world, uh, what would you call it, like world music instru- instrumentation. I noticed there was some sort of uh, what sounded like a, a sort of a ch- uh, like a Japanese. Uh, I don't know the right term for it, but like you know the guitar type. Yes, mm-hmm. okay. that string instrument yeah. that you oh, hear yeah. in Japanese the music. Yeah. And also, there seem to be a bit more some brass elements on the new, on the new record as well. But this one yeah. certainly's got some nice, tasteful electronic stuff, um, and some beautiful dream pop on that. So, yeah, do yourself a favor, go and check that out. I imagine too, our audience would be really interested to see if they still believe in frogs and avocados on, yes. the, on the second album. <laughs> After you've heard the, the album, difficult, mm. the difficult second, the difficult album. second mm. album. Frogs mm. don't exist. <laughs> yeah, by the law, there is there is no frog. But avocados are still fine. Very good. All right, and tonight's sponsor, we've, we're very lucky to have uh, a great record here sponsoring tonight's episode, and this is the Ed Sullivan Singers <gasps> and Orchestra, <gasps> uh, and they're they're performing really big hits. Uh, so, <laughs> well, that's what it says. That's what it says. Yeah, it says really big hits. Yeah, can't wait to see the album cover on that one. Yeah, the Ed Sullivan Singers and Orchestra 
really big hits. So, gee, I tell you what, they better not disappoint. They better have some monsters on well, here. Well, tell us. What do they have, Lord Ben? Now, this is on the uh, Music for Pleasure label, which I don't know what you have music otherwise for. That's but, right. There's a couple of um, other. So looking at the cover, we've got... Uh, We've got a lovely looking uh, lady on here. I, I don't, she has nothing to do. I'm sure she's not well, one she's of nothing the to do. Ed she's Sullivan not Ed singers. Sel she's not Ed Sullivan. She's yeah. not in the orchestra. <laughs> that's right. She There's, could be in the orchestra. Yeah, Maybe it's a, that's. It's a blatant plug for just someone just browsing past the record going, oh, what's this? Re oh, it's okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe orchestra is a euphemism. That's it. Um, so let's see what we've got on here. Uh, well, geez, I don't know if there's much on here that it, you'd call big. We've got Up, Up and Away. Uh, we've got the theme from Valley mm. of the Dolls. Um, wow, that's a joke. <laughs> Up and down. The Look of Love um, and To Sir With Love. They do they do a cover of that. So I don't know where they came up with that list, yeah. but uh, I wouldn't exactly call those really big hits. But anyway... Oh, they don't really get obviously bigger, the uh, the licensing budget wasn't very no. <laughs> wasn't very big on that on that particular release. They couldn't they couldn't go for the big hits, the super hits. This yep. is the really just the really big hits. Yeah. Yeah. Really, right. yeah, really, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. There's a question mark after yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. So yeah, do yourself a favor. Go out and find yourself a copy of the Ed Sullivan Singers and Orchestra, really big hits on the Music for Pleasure label. Really. Fantastic. All right. I might so. just take your copy. Do you want to? <laughs> That's right. And you can have easier. it. Yeah. Okay. And so we've jumped back in the musical time machine again, and I know that episode was very popular. What did we do last time? Was it 1984? That's right. 94. Yep. Very timely. And I'm pretty sure we decided that was the best year for music ever. Ever. Yeah. That was correct. So, so I don't know why again? we bother doing it again. <laughs> uh, maybe we're now on the search for the worst music you know, year in music ever. But uh, we found ourselves in 1979. Um, yeah, a period where, like we said, the BGs are just killing it. I think they had six consecutive number one hits. They in seventy nine. In seventy nine, they God. equaled the Beatles and uh, I think at the time Elvis, who I think it was only those two at the time who'd had. Might have been someone else. I'm forgetting, but they were the only who'd had that consecutive that's run just, like that. Well, that's just one of those stats, isn't it? You hear yeah. it, yeah, yeah, and you better fear it. Yeah, it's yeah, that's yeah, right. Six yeah. consecutive. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, um, something was very badly wrong with people. <laughs> Yeah, so disco <laughs> was in full swing. Um, disco in full swing. You had, uh, you know, punk sort of, you know, the dregs of punk. I think the Clash released um, London Calling, their shit album, London Calling that year. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> but and it, but it is the death of the Sex Pistols, right? And yeah, and, absolutely. And, sorry, and with it, punk. And and with the death of Sid Vicious, yeah, who yep. dies straight up in yep. the year um, after putting an album out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, and then there's the the great rock and roll swindle, which you know really mm. is a piece of shit. Uh, so yeah, so so it's quite interesting to see the death of that because because well the backlash against disco was was happening then as well. Yeah, well, that's right. I think I think when the, the when disco goes great, uh, when when, mm, <laughs> when disco right. goes mainstream and it's in mm. the, a hit movie, mm. uh, then yeah, surely that. Yeah, that signals to most people. Oh, this is a lot of people were hoping Donna Summer might go the same way as, as Vicious. And that, you know. <laughs> Look, so seven seven in the US, seven out of the ten biggest singles of nineteen seventy nine were disco. Yeah, oh, which is, no is doubt. I, I never realised because I mean I look at it and I go, well, I'm thinking of the music that I listened to you know, as I started primary school. So if there mm. was ever a a school disco. We probably heard everything from mm. the late seventies, mm. 
and maybe, you know, a few hits of whatever was happening. Yep. And, yeah, so listening to it or looking at a list of what was released in 79, it's like mm. that, that's all the stuff that I listened to and I'd already always assumed that it was early 80s. Yeah. 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 No, it's crazy. And, like, um, one of the things that I noticed was uh, the Eagles released their long run um, album, which was their final album before they sort of broke up, um, and which sort of also signified the end of that kind of, that sort of new wave of country that had yeah. started in the early 60s, or late 60s, sorry, early 70s. Uh, and so, yeah, it felt like a real crossroads in, you know, you sort of, there was things coming to an end, but you had like, you know, the new new romantic, new wave yeah, movement yeah, sort of yeah. just starting to really burst through. Um, yeah, I was going to say that. Like, hey, yeah, starting out. We went last time on to 1984 and it really was that moment in pop. And I think... Um, what happened in 79 was things finished and things began. Like, uh, this was the, the year that the best single in the entire universe was put out and Gary Newman released Cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I had that as... That's an important... I had The Pleasure moment. Principle as one of the key albums for that mm. year written down. So, yeah. Well, the electronic music, you know, you had Kraftwerk and all those kind of artists that just, you know, paved the way a little bit. But Newman steps in, changes music forever. <laughs> Well, I mean, you also had, I mean, to be, you know, when you're talking about big singles, I think yeah, Brett will obviously agree with me. Um, Rod Stewart, Do You Think I'm Sexy? That's right. Yeah. So that's massive. The biggest song of the year. That's when he's really, that's when he's really. decade. Yeah, people thought he was dead, mm. but oh, yeah. came back with a vengeance. No, I thought, people I thought, thought his career <laughs> was dead, but then he bought it out and shot it a few times. <laughs> and and Lord Ben and I have talked about this, where, where he had such an interesting early 70s, very groovy, hip sort of career. Mm. Mm. And then, yeah, about 77, 77 onwards, he just kills it. And this mm -hmm. is probably, this is the ultimate kick in the nuts for his career. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, uh, you know. It, oh, he made some a, money out of it. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. A an extremely well-known hit of his. But he became, uh, the la he became a laughing stock at that point. Yes. Yep. But you've got. Not to all of us. Talking about ends, I mean, you can argue, you know, you could make an argument like the wall comes out in 79. You yeah, could make yeah. an argument that that was the last great Pink Floyd, um, yep. or even you could even make an argument that was the last great prog rock yes, record, yeah. you know, mm. you know, or concept sort of album type thing. So yeah, I don't, I, think, I don't any, think any, any um, what's the word, it's no coincidence really that, you know, you had punk happening at the same yeah. time. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's that yeah. happened. Um, one, one little movement I thought was really interesting um, from my, you know, take on things was Ska and Two-Tone in the UK. Yeah. And mm. You had Madness and... Um, you had uh, the specials brought a message to you, Rudy, and yeah. the, the first Madness album came out, and you know this was an incredibly new and exciting, you know, hybrid music thing that had happened um, at the same time as all of these other movements, yeah. you know, kicking yeah. off post-punk. An earthquake is erupting, but not in Orange Street. A ghost dance is preparing. You got to help us with your feet. If you 
you're not in a mood to dance Step back, grab yourself a seat This may not be uptown Jamaica But we promise you a treat I bust the phone me over with your bogus dance Shuffle me up my feet Even if I kept on running I'd never get to Orange Street You know, as you said before, um, London Calling, the Phenomenal Clash album was brought out And so like yeah, just a really interesting time. The survivors of punk, you know, those bands you know, like Talking Heads brought out a great album, and you know, mm. the people who are going to take it elsewhere, you'll be delighted to hear that The Fall had two albums in 1979. <laughs> yeah. So, quite a year for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. uh, my first Fall album um, that I got, got into live at the Witch Trials it was very interesting for, for those guys because, you know, let's just release a live album. Um, <laughs> two albums into a 37 album career <laughs> you know sure um, yeah. um, off, the, off the back of um, you know the first big personnel change up and all that kind of stuff so mm. it was an interesting little shift for those guys as well yeah. and they basically wrote their manifesto um, but yeah yeah, it was it was interesting just ticking off that and I mean the Pretenders are in another interesting mm. group mm. around yeah. that time surviving out of punk and bringing out Brass and Pocket which is a phenomenal mm. um, single um, mm-hmm. To kick off their career with, so yeah, yeah. the Pina Colada song, yeah, <laughs> really, speaking, yeah, speaking really? of the greats, mm, mm. yeah, fantastic. Wow. So no shortage of of gems. Oh no, no. <laughs> but, like, but the B fifty twos had their yeah, this was their yeah. debut album, the big one, yeah. yeah. Um, what a great album that was, yeah, fantastic. You know. What I what I, I I found when I was sort of having a look through, one of the things that stood out to me was uh, that sort of hard rock, which would turn into the sort of classic. Yeah, which would be that sort of join between hard rock and, and metal eventually with bands like, um, and it's sort of a, you, know, you had like your Motorhead, Triumph, Saxon, and then you had like your more, uh, you know, print stars like Kiss and Journey yeah, and Sticks yeah, and yeah. those guys. Like they're all sort of either releasing debuts or, or uh, important albums right around that time, 79 as well. So, and that, that would go on to, to I guess, you know, um, influence and and inform other you know Motley Crues and and you know eventually Metallica's mm. and, and those sorts of guys into the eighties and that sort of thing as well. So mm. I thought that was pretty interesting. And in fact, um, of course, one of the big things that happened then was um, Osborne was sacked from yes. Black yeah. Sabbath. So you could almost say that was the end of a of an era of that hard you know the, you know arguably the first you know metal band mm. or one, you know, mm. certainly one of the pioneers. Yeah. Um, just if we talk about metal, we talk about the ends of I mean yeah you, you're sacking the lead singer and mm. you know and, and Dio takes over so um, <laughs> whatever yeah. it was a bit of you know end of the decade madness yeah yeah I think that sort of it was. creeps mm. into it doesn't it one step beyond I was looking yeah. <laughs> I was looking for a connection between our eighty four and the seventy nine and it's uh, it's Mr Jackson because in in yeah. seventy nine yeah. it's off the wall solo and record. that sort of yeah. really sort of starts to highlight him as hey this guy isn't just mm. Jackson number four of the five, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then yeah, and then you know our previous one of eighty four was when he had the, the you know the big thriller. thriller. So yeah, yeah mm. exactly, very interesting. Now, and for me personally, Super Tramp releases Breakfast in America. There you go. You yeah. know, shut the gate. Incredible, mm-hmm. incredibly successful album. Brilliant songwriting. And they never toured with the Fall. That's it's that's what's always <laughs> yeah, that's right. the never, never really understood that. I thought <laughs> I think that's the chance now. As a support, but. Oh, it was beautiful, magical, and all the 
you got the cars in there too, Candio, great album. Um, and I had Pleasure Principle, yeah, which you've already mentioned as yeah. a, as key albums in that. I mean, it's just there was just. But you look you look at you look at those all the styles that we've mentioned. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine a, a, another more varied mm. point mm. in in mm. sort of music history, isn't it? That where all those things were on the charts and all those things were emerging and. Yeah. Um, sort of cross-influencing uh, each other and you had a couple you know, of other albums that I noticed that were interesting to me was um, Eating Rifles by The Jam again you know coming out of that punk thing yep. uh, Three Imaginary Boys was the first Cure album yeah yeah, and still right. maybe my favourite and again really punky and it's ethic and it's shortness yeah. and you know and another three piece was um, uh, Regatta de Blanc by The mm. uh, the Polis yes. yes. yeah. as they yeah. say yeah um, yeah. The Scottish band. The, the, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the filth. Um yeah, they they they, they come out with a, I don't know, a great, great, great album to, to kick off an amazing career right there. Mm. Mm. Oh, great. There's a lot of variety, you know? Yeah. I mean if you look at the charts now. If you look at the charts now It's not like it was when I was a boy. <laughs> I just don't feel you see that, you know, those genres. Maybe it's too close to it. I don't think you see all it's just different types of hip-hop and r&b you know yeah like yeah or, or independent music well well speaking of that you had you had some great rap uh you know early rap stuff coming out of 79 as well sure. like, you're right at the beginning of that kind of stuff um there was grandmaster flash and people like yeah that. like yeah. you it's hard <laughs> there was it's like there wasn't a genre of music that wasn't being hmm. produced right around hmm. that that period you know and it's sort of i guess it's the you know, shortly after that, you'd get into that 80s where it became, you know, MTV gets launched not long after, you know, mm, like yeah. soon in, mm. you know, a few years later type thing. And then it becomes very much sort of um, driven, the commercial side of it starts to really ramp up and, and it becomes image and it becomes, you know, hardcore on sort of what do we do what do we do to you know sell records and the, and yeah, and yeah. the the idea of the superstar your, your jacksons madonnas those yeah. sort of guys start to sort of bubble up and and it becomes like a real commercial entity so it's probably the last period of true no, i'd hate now i can't make that comment i was gonna say the last to me it almost is like the last period of true sort of experimentation just throwing styles out there and mm-hmm. and sort of a free form like the village people free yeah. <laughs> that's right almost a free form wild west of of music before it became too i don't mm. know serious and maybe it went back to that in your early 90s with your grunge and your mm. sort of underground electronic movements and and certain rap movements and things like that yeah when there's a commercialism um, undeniably to the 80s yeah you know but that's not to say there wasn't great music coming out of it, you sure. know, and yeah. as we did, as we found last time. But mm. yeah, I mean, I think um, what's what's brilliant about nineteen seventy nine, if you think about it, is as you said, it's the melting pot idea, isn't it? Mm. It's like yeah. all the rules are changing. You know, yeah. you can be a punk band, you can be a shit punk band, or yeah, you can yeah. actually take it further and do yeah, something yeah. else. Um, you can do ska, you can do dance, you can you know start with electronic music, you can um, you can get into rap music, you know, a all of that was right there, you know. But to, but be, to be fair, over. at least in like the US, I don't know what it was like in the UK. I don't really know what it was like in the US. But <laughs> I'm just looking at a list here, <laughs> like, like all those different. Like, I'm thinking in particular of like two tone records and Scar and whatever, and that seemed to be a very uh, for quite a while UK type of thing that took a very long time to catch on yeah. and influence bands yeah. in the US. But um, like all those. Movements. If you're looking at the top singles in America, like the top 100, it's predominantly disco and 
you know, mm. rock mm. songs and pop songs. And, and so even though all that variety is bubbling away in the background, if you were alive at the time and only listening to your top 40 on a, on a Saturday night or whatever, you'd only hear, I guess, the equivalent of what you'd hear now. Which is oh god, this all sounds the same. Yeah. Well, they find a different beat you or something. something you may have something. I mean, because right, you've still got your reggae. It's still reggae. Like you've got Marley, and that's still active in that period, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think but, it brings us back to the classic debate that we come round to, isn't it? It's like what's what makes worthwhile music? What lasts? It's maybe yeah. not the top ten. But, you know, and anyway. it's not necessarily yeah. that. It's more just a reflection of the idea that there would be uh, potentially. All these things that we're unaware of now, happening now, that in oh, 10 yeah. years' time we'll sit back and go, oh, <laughs> I didn't realise this was happening. I thought it was all just, you know, freaking... Yeah. But don't you think, yeah. though, and I and it, I take a little... It's a little bit of what Ben's talking about, MTV. MTV is is that step again. It's like top 40 on steroids where, uh, where we're really going to nut out what most people want to listen to and, and screw the rest. Right, and I think that you know that that sort of uh, that's that like I said that's the top forty to the you know we're going to really get into the commercial side of it and what's yeah, going to well, make money it, and and what record companies are going to invest in future mm. projects. It, it added to that. It it just added like up until then essentially yes you had some some very minimal visual side of it where you had you know just you know promo images you had mm. you know you'd see mm. people at concerts whatever. Um, or in magazines, you know, fanzines, etc. But it really did add another powerful tool that, that record companies had to consider as far as, you know, what's this person look like, or do they have a unique look, or can they, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. can they perform on a on a you know in a in a rock video and make it appealing? And should they yeah. wear a white glove or a lace glove? <laughs> right. One glove, but, two but gloves. But isn't that part of it too? That mm. that a lot of who we've talked about in '79, we're not talking. Lots and lots of individuals. We're talking lots and lots of bands. Yeah, there are some individuals there, mm. and I think what happens is uh, w- when you start looking at the visual side of things, it's a lot harder to try and sell five blokes mm. with an image than it is to sell one bloke with an image. Mm. You know, and and same with girls and that. So it almost feels like we're we're also pushing down. Not only are we going to start to focus on just the individual star. Mm. Um, but we're going to get behind there and really sort of uh, pump that up, and I, and I just think what that has a tendency to do is it filters down, and and you have to have a real love for music. Then, if you're going to bother to uh, uh, invest in a band that that's not playing what mm. the bell curve wants to hear, yeah, mm. or looks like what the bell curve wants to see, mm. yeah. All right. Well, that's good. That's um. Isn't it lucky that the time machine took us to that year? Yeah, huh? <laughs> it's amazing. It's just amazing. And did you yeah. were you we, using that dice again? Yeah, yeah. Just no. got all the years of the world yeah. on every side. <laughs> Sorry, I did forgot. I did uh, forget Massive to mention that. I, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did roll that just before we. Obviously, so we saw it. Uh, you don't need to explain yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We right. saw it. Yeah. Just, it just for the audience. I just don't want yeah. any. You know, Trump-like. You know, elections rig type. That's no. right. Sentiment here. You know. So, so how far back? Can we go potentially? Potentially, we can go into the sixties you know, on. So it's we the fir- okay. the earliest year we can get to with the dice currently employed is six nineteen sixty. Oh, okay. okay, okay. 
So, but hey, we can. I Wait, think, we I think, think we, we can make modifications. We can get back further than that if we need to. Uh, I was hoping for a Gregorian chance. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> At some stage, but it's the year one hundred twenty. Because we're calling it a time machine, but we're only travelling like eight years. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, and let's face it: with this this particular group, if we went back, you know. Any more, sorry, any less than about you know ten or twelve years, it would be a real problem. <laughs> That's right, time machine two years ago. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. oh, yeah. two thousand and eighteen. Some... You can forget the heady summer of two thousand and twelve. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, how about everyone get on uh, our social, uh, various social media pages, and tell us some of your favourite uh, releases from nineteen seventy nine. That'd be fantastic. And if you want to hear about the next. Uh, a roll of dice that you'd like us to uh, mm. uh, force, uh, uh, I mean, accidentally <laughs> come across, let us know what year you'd like us to visit. Yeah, yeah. just remember, no, nothing too recent. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think we, and, and I think the other thing is, we're not going to go forwards in time. Uh, <laughs> it's a time machine oh, that's wow. that only, can only go back. Back. Wow, hang on. I, re I reckon we could roll 10 years in the future yeah. and the stones would still be round. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe point. a couple of them. Yes. Yeah. Keith Richards' solo project. Strolling bone. That's right. <laughs> heads, heads and jars. Mm, very good. All right, let's move on to our next segment. And this is a this is an important one. Um, so my, I, I think I raised this. this my uh, sort of supposition here is that um, yeah, going back to you know fr as far back as as music existed, you know. So we're talking, you know, shaman dancing around fires, taking certain subs, you know, whether it's ayahuasca or other substances to have experiences, or, or tribal groups, you know, chanting and and you know, getting into some level of ecstasy based on meditations or mm. music or dancing, and then obviously, you know, right through to sort of the the sort of uh, ecstasy inspired you know dance scene of the of the sort of late 80s early 90s and that sort of thing I, cypress hills entire discography <laughs> that's, that's right. right so i think i think it's very hard like i just i i'm trying to think of a period like you know you've got your jazz period which was riddled with heroin mm. things like that um you know it's hard to find even even with classical music that they, they were you know Taking various substances, mm. uh, I'll take uh, I'll take a guess, then. and I'll say not Gregorian chants. <laughs> sure, the yes. monks may you have be, had you could be a right little there. swig now and again. You could be right there, but I'm not. So, you know, tell me. So can, this, the can, question is: Is there music without drugs? Yeah, Do, can you separate the two? Essentially, yeah. mm. it's an interesting one. Yeah, because I, I mean, I you know the obvious ones are the you know the sixties and, and LSD and uh, you know and pot and and you know and then in through the seventies it was more you know, your heroin and and cocaine and then certainly cocaine to the eighties and then uh, you know, beyond. But um, it sure. whether whether you're using it as a as a as a way to cope with your fame, mm, you know, mm. or whether you're using it as a way to expand into other areas of of experimentation and and uh, you know, to, to see things from a different perspective. I mean, if, you, and if you want to go way back and talk about the um, the history of um, artists and taking drugs as yeah. a creative force, as a as something that this was this is the, the the grand lie, isn't it, about drugs and music, drugs and popular music, is that you know it helps you broaden your mind and all that kind of stuff, and that it, you see things or you make connections. Um, I think there's an interesting subtopic in here that sort of goes 
you know, uh, which came first. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you yeah, know? exactly. Um, I mean, I think when when um, you had you had poets writing and Kublai Khan and, and things like that, deliberately taking opium in order to see what they could see. I think that that model has been followed by various artists down the line, um, um, but I think more often than not, artists get into it, then get a load of money, then get a load of drugs, <laughs> which they wanted to do anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or they're touring and they're tired, or they're yeah, you know yeah. they're, they're you know dealing well, with people they don't want to deal with or whatever. So, yeah, well, I think there's there's both. That's why out. I think it goes both sides. I think there's a dealing and a coping mechanism side of it. But then there's a you know an experimentation, you know, opening up a world, trying to see things from a different perspective side of it, and you know, as much as I hate to bring things back to the Beatles, but um, do you? Yeah, you can map their career to the different drugs they were taking yeah. at the time. You yeah. know, in, in the early years when they're when they're playing sort of fast, hard pop rock, you know, almost some of the stuff they're doing is you know nearly punk esque um, or proto punk. They were taking, yeah, they were they were on speed at that during mm. those times because they they needed to stay awake when they're playing in Hamburg. Then stay awake for hours and hours to play their sets. So they they'd take you know uppers and, and speed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as they just you know they met Dylan, they discovered pot. They start doing things like Rubber Soul and, yes. and that sort of thing and and Revolver. Yeah, and then LSD hits and they're yes. doing Sergeant Peppers and mm. Magical Mystery Tour. And this is a template. They're a template for so many yeah, other bands that's right, that's that it's right. like. You tap into that and you know that that's what they're about. Mm. The worst drug-taking deniers in the history of pop music as well, by the way. He wrote a song called Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and said <laughs> that it was um, about a picture a kid had drawn and, you know, just happens to have lyrics about that's marmalade right. skies. and <laughs> Yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope Can we think? Can we think of any musicians who, or bands, you know, that we feel were a you know successful or at least well, experimental? There's a, or there's a whole movement. Frank Zappa. Um, were you going to say without drugs, Ben? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. Are that's, you saying Zappa had took no drugs? He took no drugs. Yeah. He he, he he said in an interview he probably smoked marijuana, maybe a dozen times in the in the sixties, and then when so, you know what this just isn't. <laughs> This isn't sure. well worth it because his his thing was he wanted to be in control of his thoughts mm-hmm. and his body. He didn't want to. I mean, he was a bit of a crazy guy, sure, in, in many ways. And I don't think it was all you know. I just want to be you know in the moment, yeah, type yeah. of thing. Um, he had a bit of a conspiracy bent to him as well, but it was also just no, no. I believe that this is my body. I can choose what to do with it, and I choose to be in control. And, well, and know so everything I'm doing as well. I mean, he was sure. writing orchestral. Yeah, I mean, you look <laughs> at what he did. I mean, he died when he was what fifty six or something, or early fifties. Mm. Yeah, and he produced a phenomenal body of work. Um, not all of it listenable, mm. but uh, I mean, that's kind of the point as well. It's just like if you aren't 
you know, some yeah, far yeah, out, yeah. you know, combinations of music. Mm. He, the only two things that were really his vices were uh, coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. He was a right. chain smoker, so. Yeah, 77 minute guitar solos. Yeah. But potentially, you could almost be hinting at the fact that maybe some people don't need it, but maybe others do. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, sure, surely, if, surely, if you take some LSD, mm. uh, you know, p- potentially that's that would have to influence. If you have some pretty wild, and, and you know, for all intents and purposes, they seem to have some pretty wild rise on LSD. You know, you, you could then look at that and go, and then look at some of that. You know, in particular, some of um, Harrison's and Lennon's music. You go, wow. Mm. Well, yeah, I get it. Yes. Right, but then to find out, well, Zappa did none of that. You go, okay, well, but does that just mean he's he's more uh, he, he doesn't need that level of stimulus to be that creative? Yeah. Whereas well, well, whereas other people might need it. I mean, he's definitely stimulated between the the smokes and the caffeine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's was, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, but, I think, but, and it, yeah, you're right. And well, if, if that's correct, and I don't have any reason to not believe you, but um, I, I just I didn't. That was a, that's a fact. Yeah, that's a new knowledge to me. So, and yeah, he was, he's been an outlier in many, mm. many of these. Well, that's the thing you, you'd so, think if anyone was going to take drugs, yeah, exactly, surely exactly. it would be Frank Zappa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look yeah. at his audience, they were probably doing enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, he was yeah maybe, it was, to balance maybe it, it was just all secondhand for probably, him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably none left for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking around for anything. Yeah. Some for me. Own fans had taken yeah. everything that was on the planet. Yeah, you used to I think be really. There's um, two other ones I want to bring out on that. Yeah. The first one is. The idea that just possibly, with the exception of your outliers, mm. if you don't take drugs, you're probably making the worst music ever. Um, that's that's just a wee theory all throughout, and we'll get back to it. Um, wow. The second, the second one, the second one is um, that uh, there is a movement, um, of course, called Straight Edge, mm. um, Straight Edge Punk, oh, cool. yeah, which yeah. Uh, was all about exactly that. It was mm. all about um, battling. Um, prejudices and you know uh, conceptions that people had of certain types of music like you know we said before you know if you're playing pop music obviously mm. you're out your head on glue and <laughs> and speed right yeah. um and and th- this was a life choice this was a there was there was a, a full no, there was no swearing you know there was mm. like a real clean living aesthetic it's just we'd done enough we've seen enough of people dying from overdoses yeah. and all that yeah. kind of yeah, stuff yeah. It was coming from um, kids who'd been in families witnessing alcoholism and witnessing, you know, horrible shit going down mm. as a result of all this substance mm. abuse, which, you know, the movement didn't come through until like uh, the 80s, I believe. Mm. Um, did it produce any amazing acts? Well, I think Henry Rollins was one of yeah. the main proponents and, and, and figureheads, yeah. whether he yeah, yeah. completely lived that life, I sincerely doubt. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I reason to believe that he did. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like the interviews that I've read, his whole philosophy is very much, oh, okay. You know, yeah, after yeah. especially after watching uh, one of his best friends die, it's just like there's only so much time in the world. I don't want to fuck about with drugs. I've got mm. too much shit to get mm. on with before mm. I die. Um, mm. So all that said, it could, could be a frustration. So the I mean, other side said, is, the, is it is it fair to say that the vast majority of artists out there, recording artists and and worthwhile recording artists, I mean, mm. are are full of it. Well, I, I also think of yeah, <laughs> full of it. I'd also like to On the gear. part yeah. of that would also be yeah, individuals who have done exceptional things, but oh, yeah, individuals. I'm including bands there as well, but yeah, um, also on a movement level like was was there ever a movement apart from the one the obvious one where it is purely an anti-drug mm. movement was there any great sort of advance forward in in a in a style or something that happened without 
you know, uh, drugs, you know, that'd be the, the question. And the, and the other one on top of that is, or the flip side of all of this is, why do we accept such sort of rampant drug use in in these people and we idolise the musicians and we just sort of, mm. we, well, we have this way to just look past it all, when it, whether we see it in other, you know, whether it be sportsmen or politicians or other yeah, sort yeah. of leading figures, we go, yeah. oh, it's so, you know, you can't, you know. Well, Bill, Bill, Hick, Bill Hicks put it brilliantly as he did on a few things to do with drugs. He said, I want my rock stars dead. <laughs> and what he was getting <laughs> yeah. at was the idea that you don't want to go and see Vanilla Ice or, you know, the Backstreet Boys, as he so brilliantly put it you know, just Zeke hailing their way through a performance. <laughs> you want someone who's out there on the edge, living a life you can mm. possibly touch, yes, yeah, putting yeah. their heart and their soul onto a performance that you, you, is going to blow you away, putting everything into a record because they've been places mm. that you can only dream of, but they're going to reflect something amazing, <laughs> you know, as yeah, a result. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so... There's, there's, there's that argument, and I, I sure. Um, but I, why I, I go with it up to seventy three percent. So why though, you know, if you know, if in in a political realm or in a business realm, if if there was a, you know, if it, and I know, yeah, I was about to say Elon Musk, but he does partake a little bit. <laughs> if you, you know, you pick someone who's a bit more straight edge, and yeah. you know, but you know, if if Edison say or so, you know, like some of these great figures of the of Hist Ford or whatever, you know, you know. To get to get to make those leaps, you know, in you know, coming up with great ideas or, or ways to sort of you know, manufacture things or you know, new product ideas, um, you just don't seem that see that same level of well, you know, Steve Jobs. Oh, he was just off his chops all the yeah, time. That's yeah, why he yeah. came up with you know the the idea of the iPhone or the you know the iPod or, or those sorts of things. Like, it's just funny how it doesn't sort yeah. of transfer into other realms but apart I think from it's the an arts. image thing Ben I think it's, it is it's an image thing you want to believe that your artists are out there I don't think they're doing their best work and their best creativity as I said 73% mm. are ascribing to this I don't think they do it when they're full of drugs I think they're doing that um, as part of a lifestyle and you know it'd be hard to be in a, in a touring rock band um, and, and, and not be exposed to that um, you know lifestyle like it would come to you and bit by mm. bit you would be drawn into it and I I don't. I don't necessarily think that um, the creativity comes from the drug taking. Do you know what I mean? I, I think, think sure, creativity think, sure. is often it just gives the drug them a different perspective. A, a symptom. Yeah. There's probably also just a base level of drug taking in society, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you about young people with disposable income that don't have to go on a nine to five yeah. job. And if we include alcohol in that as well, um, then it's it's huge, and it's been mm. a factor of human society for thousands of years mm. that there is something that will alter how you feel. Yep. Um, that, that aside though, uh, I think there are certainly jobs where it's more acceptable that you're, you're taking drugs. Everyone looks mm. at Brett at this point. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Creative. You know, if you're, uh, you know, one of the uh, the yeah. big swinging dicks in investment, you know, that's finance right. type of things. Yeah. Well, it's, like the the, other, it's nothing to... Yeah, you know, you're so. right. You're right. That's the other industry where it is sort of okay and almost ex- goes along with the territory, the, you know, the cocaine snorting yes. Wall Street yeah, execs, yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, high flyers and, and whatever. So, yeah. so, Ben, let me uh, flip the question a wee bit and mm. what you're getting at. And um, see, not only do we accept it though from our from our performing artists, they advocate it. They put out mm, material yeah. 
um, and and, and the, you know the reggae movement is a is a really good example, of especially that, reggae where, and rap, where, where, and, where yeah. it's, it's almost embedded in 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 the well, it is. It's part of a religion. Mm. Um, but then you have this, um, this sort of sixties vibe where you're really um, pushing, um, you know, the, the 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 peace and love vibe, and it was something in the music that was advocating this for a generational change, mm-hmm. all the way up to the shaman's fantastic. A single Ebenezer Good, um, <laughs> which yep. was trying to do the same thing um, with no class. And he goes by the name of Ebenezer Good His friends call him easy when he is the main geezer And he vibe up the place like no other man could He's refined, he's sublime, he makes you feel fine They're very much maligned and misunderstood But if you know Ezer, he's a real crowd pleaser He's ever so good, he's Ebenezer Good You see that he's mischievous, mysterious and devious When he circulates amongst the people in the place Once you know he's fun and something of a genius He gives a grin that goes around face to face to face Backwards and then forwards, forwards and then backwards Ezer is a geezer, he loves to muscle in That's about the time the crowd has shout the name of Ezer He's crotched in the corner laughing by the base bin uh, you know, just taking, you know, no, but in a way, that was the most hilarious, you know, drug taking yeah, yeah. record I've ever heard in my life. Because yeah. It's just this massive slap in the face to exactly what you're getting at, right? And yeah. there would have been people hearing that, not knowing what the hell he's going on about. Yeah, I mean, do yeah. you think? Do you think it was subtle to a point up until, like, do you think it became? Uh, what am I trying to say? This, like, I know it crossed over in the '60s and '70s and, and whatever, but. There was it something was about a, yeah. there was something about that '90s dance, you know, rave movement that it almost became. Everyone comes along. Everyone's expected to take the drug. Like drugs were very much part of the, you know, like yes, you wouldn't just yeah, go along yeah. to a rave and listen to some dance music. Well, the, the great argument know? about techno music at the time was that if you're not on the drugs, is the music any good? Yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah, just yeah, listening yeah. to someone put up shelves. Hmm. Um, I would say no. There was some fantastic records that came out. Definitely, mm-hmm. um, it took a while. It was a bit like punk. It, it took a while to get past people blowing whistles and <laughs> you know, like face sure, it, that stuff sure. was hell on earth. But <laughs> and the same could be said of the seventies and sixties and seventies, where yeah. there was this beautiful thing like the Nick Lowe style, sure. Nick Drake style sort of um, n- n- mystical. Um, yeah. Uh, talking about Lady Jane and all this kind of stuff, yeah. as if mm. it was like you're really going into something mysterious and kind of subtle, yeah. uh, all the way up to I don't know what you want to call it, hair rock or whatever. When it was <laughs> yeah. just like, mm. but I'm there was like, always breaking the law, breaking the law. Yeah, and and of course <laughs> you know, they yeah, there was always yeah, there's always the joke that you know, oh, you can't listen to Pink Floyd unless you've you know already done a few joints and whatever. Yeah, like so, that's um, not a joke, mate. That, <laughs> yeah. But um. Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't fit. It, it felt like you could almost detach the music elsewhere. Like, yes, you you know, everyone probably at the concerts in the sixties, whatever, was you know off their chops. But um, the music still was really good, and and you know, we listen to it now, and we you know we appreciate it, and whatever. Um, it just felt like that dance music scene. It was really coupled heavily to the drugs, yeah, yeah. unlike any other sort of music. Uh, sorry, any other movement. You know, previously. But that's, that's a generational thing as well. I'm sure that there was people um, looking at the stones, just having long hair was enough to suggest yeah, they were sure. degenerates. Yeah. So um, the fact that they were taking drugs that people could understand as well 
was just as shocking and, and problematic. Mm. I mean, mm. they nearly went to jail, didn't they, for yeah, having a few yeah. joints in their house. Yeah. Is it is it just rebellion? Is it just the fact that uh, if you're going if you're going to be uh, uh, lauded by the the young people, then you need to be breaking the law? Yeah. Right. So, so it, like it, you're it, saying, it gives you a credibility. Because yeah. I think what, what's really interesting is that uh, just, it's already been there. Mm. So, so you know, when you look at the the country, you know, the country and Western singers in in the forties and fifties, yeah, oh, were, were you know, yeah. I mean, Johnny Cash and that uh, knocking back, uh, uh, you know, too many, too much speed, sure, uh, and. and but yeah, the other side of that with the Leuven Brothers, who who was very theologically based yeah, yeah. music, where it was all very purity yeah. and you know Satan is real. That's and all right. This sort of music, you know. But you're keeping that all. You're keeping any of that sort of stuff hid because Johnny Mel. At that point, you know, society uh, uh, wasn't prepared for those people to be as rebellious as they really were. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But as soon as there's that teenage mu- movement comes through, mm. okay. Well, if I want to appeal to some young kids. Because there's nothing worse than an, than a uh, than an aging rock star uh, on the gear. Sure, that's not very romantic. Yeah, but but your twenty twenty year old, you know, hip star, whatever, uh, uh, knocking it back. You go, you know, you roll your eyes and you go, oh yes, well, rebellious mm, youth. Mm. But and no a, one wants a fifty a, year old rebelling. And the big and the big. <laughs> okay, now. Oh, sorry. The I elephant. Just like to say Cliff Richard. <laughs> sure. Oh. You but the elephant on drugs. The elephant in the room, which we haven't discussed, is. Um, you Can know, you see elephants? Drugs is. my friend, have you? I see what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> this is an intervention. I'm trying to, I'm trying to justify my <laughs> my intake. Now, the the elephant in the room here, which we haven't discussed, is the the obvious impact of drugs, and that is losing people who, oh, yeah, you know, before their time, you know, like your Hendrixes and etc. So um, that is a that's a very you know finite impact as mm. far as. You know, what could have been, a, you know, we've lost so many incredible artists over the years, you know, through overdose. So it's, mm. you know, that's, yeah, and, that's and, and not even, not even that to that extent. You just look at people whose career goes off the boil because they just yeah. descended into, yeah. you know, I mean, Keith Richards gets into heroin almost at the same time as, as all their albums start to suck. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, okay, isn't that a shame? Maybe if he, if he didn't get on the gear then. Uh, maybe they could have put a couple more albums out that were worth listening to. Yeah, I mean the the other the other one, Sid Barrett, Sid Barrett, and yeah, you know, yeah. look what happened there. Yeah, that you know um, he he's a huge drugs casualty, and they never put another decent album in their life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not all bad. <laughs> I, I, I think I think as well when I was talking before about you know there's a baseline level as well uh, that. Um, you know, there are, there are lots of people taking drugs who don't make any music or who make god-awful music and they're taking drugs. So it's, I think sometimes it's this, oh, well, if I take it, then I'll become a fantastic musician or have insights that no one else will have. Sure. And then having, you know, played occasionally with people like that, mm. you go, you're a fucking mess. <laughs> you yeah. know, you, oh, look. you can barely play your instrument, let alone do something creative yeah. with yeah, it. Well, yeah, it's so. an excuse, right? It's just and, an excuse. And the Beatles... Yeah. The Beatles is that I know plenty of bands, but just from my you know, experience, the Beatles always said they didn't, they never play, they never recorded off their chops. Like they would, mm. they would take things, they would have the experience, and they would bring that back into the music mm. and writing. Mm. They would never, they said any time they actually tried to record, you know, 
off their face, then it just it was a mess. Like yeah, they'd come back the yeah. next morning thinking they'd done the greatest work they'd ever done, and then they'd just play it back. It was just like drivel, you know. So. Mm. And do you think, like, um, and this is something that I was going to bring up in this context, was that, you know, you have these people who use a vast amount, like legendary drug addicts, you know, who are some of the best guitarists or musicians or whatever that, you know, we've ever heard of. Um, the thing that always goes through my mind is if they're playing on all these drugs, it's like almost adding insult to you already. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, that's right. God, you can do that in your... I mean, have, you have a couple of beers and you have a hard time putting a few guitar <laughs> chords together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just see people who are so talented oh, like that they can play it on yeah. top of all of that um, yeah. mm. substance abuse. like the Grateful Dead as well who are legendary you know um, acid takers and, and, and would regularly perform utterly off of their heads mm. and you think well you've got to have a forgiving music style to do that okay right? that's that's so. true and I was, that was my, my second point about all of this is that I think um, you know I'm I'm a huge fan of psychedelic music mm. to me the 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 that genre, as large as it is, and it could be anything from Johnny Cash, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right through to um, you know, out of the sixties and into you know he, he, some of my favourite bands from the nineties, like your Super Furry Animals and bands like that, who really brought back from another dimension these great sounds, and they were allowed to put sounds on records because it just was more interesting yeah. than daily life. Yeah. Hmm. And how they found that stuff? Well, you know, maybe they experienced it a little bit. But it was more tapping into an interesting thing that we all love as human beings, and that's to be moved and out of our, our you know everyday experience. So, I mean, the type of music I love—if it had to be given one term, one thing that connects it—is psychedelia. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. find that phenomenally interesting, mm-hmm. and it, it leads to great, great music. So, yeah. um, sometimes, yeah. It, it, <laughs> If if I if I had to find a common thread, mm. and this is what we've been doing recently, looking at it all, is a common thread that goes through pretty much everything that I like, I enjoy. Yeah, there is a psychedelic experience. You know what I mean? There's always an element of chaos in there. I think they're, they're, something you know, otherworldly. You know? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, bands that are quirky. You mm. know, that just come up with something a bit different. Yeah, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, it's look. We could talk about it for ages i think it's yeah we may even reinvestigate it who knows but um well there's one last point i'd like to make because like the uh with drugs it's trying to uh, get out of your everyday so that you can Mm -hmm. you know open your musical vistas or if you're not a musician just your your ordinary vistas um probably the uh the closest non-druggy thing to that in terms of music is probably gospel music mm-hmm. uh, where it's really about, you know, investing yourself in that music uh, to the point where you, it may go on for a very long time, far, far longer than your three minute hit single. Mm. Uh, but you become more and more involved in it. Yeah. Uh, but that's, and that's and that's step outside out. of yourself. Yeah. That's so. whipping up that same frenzy that, 
that tribal dancing mm. and beating and drum beating and and mm. that used to whip up in that it's getting to that sort of collective mindset where everyone's sort of almost tuned to the same you know frequency and and all in that and the energy and everything and it's mm. it's just a throwback to that sort of thing isn't it like you're getting into a yeah. you're whipping up a frenzy you know even though it's a frenzy it's a you know, it's, that, it's all well, it's just everyone. emotional involvement yeah, in, yeah. Mm-hmm. in something that, and especially because it's communal, mm. that uh, you cease to become yourself, mm. only yourself. Yeah, you are still you're there. Part you're, of a, a you're part of a bigger larger, thing. Yeah, and, right. and, you know, possibly having not taken the types of drugs that we've been talking about, mm. possibly that's part of what the appeal is. They can finally say, oh, I can get rid of myself for a while. Yeah. And. Yeah. And and maybe if you had to take that gospel choir on the, on the road and perform and get to that point every night, mm. after a while I say, oh, for fuck's sake, just give me something because I can't. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm too <laughs> yeah. tired yes. to try and hit that level tonight again yeah. where, where I'm at one with the, the choir and the crowd and that. Mm. Just give me something artificial to get me there. <laughs> just stick it in my vein. And can I, just, <laughs> can I just sort of bring this all back and tell you that in one of my favourite bands is a band called Spiritualized. Famous, you know, drug-taking people. Before that, they were in a band called Spaceman 3. Uh, Jason Pierce, or anyone was. He was known as Jason Spaceman back then. Um, they put out their first album, was called um, Taking Drugs to Take Music to Take Drugs to. <laughs> there you go. Uh, which, which I think which was, sums it up. Yeah, it does, yeah. does, does yeah. very much sum up. But then spiritualized go on and on and on and become a pseudo-religious band hmm. in the fact that... Um, th- they they write a bazillion songs all about God, Jesus. You mm. know, it's all to do with addiction. All that has a lot to do with uh, that being a metaphor. But um, they tap right into religious music. They tap right into gospel, mm. and um, go full circle. Mm. Yeah, wow, perfect. So basically, the one the next step after heroin is God. It's yeah, God. Mm. and that's well, you're taking drugs to find God, aren't you? you you're searching for God. I think one of their um, yeah one of their um, yeah don't do it the other way around. One of their songs was no god only religion, <laughs> but yeah I mean if you look at the track listings it goes all the way from uh, Mary Jane and Roller Coaster in their early careers, right out to um, yeah Shine a Light, mm. you know mm. um, and stuff like that. So yeah, mm. very good. All right, well we'll wrap it up there. Uh, so thanks very much for listening. Uh, get onto our various social medias and and let us know we've we've missed something. We've totally misread. Yeah, you know, this this topic and give you we have some, no idea. Give Let's us your opinion. No idea. And uh, <laughs> most importantly, leave a comment and, and a like and and please, it helps us out. So, uh, but anyway, until next time, please join us again on the Lords of Loud. Skin up. Lords of Loud is recorded at Zip Studios and proudly distributed as part of the Zenith Command Network. And welcome back to the Lords of Loud. Lords, 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 Wow, the Lords. Do not even hey, Lords of Loud. Don't think about going back. We're keeping that. <laughs> that one straight Definitely. in.